Hello, friends, and welcome to a migratory episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. We are going to fly south to Florida to check in on our Blue Jays. That's right. It's Bat Flips and Maple Dips. We're back. It's Patrick here in Halifax, hanging out, keeping it real. My God, I'm so lame. Uh, meanwhile, way out west, the, less, the lesser of the lameness, uh, it's the professor, Justin Anderson. Justin, it's been six days. Um, yeah. Not too bad. Uh, how have you been? Been good, man. Uh, it's, we're we're going to try and wrap up the frequency of these things, so we'll have uh, less small talk to make and more baseball as the season rolls along. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this, this season rolling. We're going to have some baseball on Sunday. Uh Oh yeah, the, the Yankee broadcast, unfortunately, because Sportsnet and their infinite wisdom continues to drop the ball on spring training bar- broadcasts. Obviously, the pandemic is difficult, but um, yeah. they're they're going to be setting up for remote broadcasts from Dunedin because that's where the Jays are going to start the season. So they could have just put something together, but here we are. Anyway, we're going to get some live baseball. Just mute your TV if you have to. We don't want to hear the sissia or whatever the hell that Yankees announcer says yeah. when there's a home run. So whatever he says. But yeah. Anyway, we're gonna get live baseball. Looking forward to to seeing I'm assuming we'll see George Springer's first Blue Jays spring training at bat in that game. I'd be shocked if some of the big boys don't play the first one. Um but yeah, looking forward to that big time. The hype is at an all time high. And if you want to join in on the hype Guys, you can and girls, you can check us out on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. We are very funny. We're a good follow, so go ahead and give us a follow. We're uh, on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube Play, whatever the fuck it's called. You, uh, <laughs> tune in, Stitcher. We are not on Nexopia. I'm tired of harping about it. Let's get on Nexopia. We're on Kazaa. You can you can catch us. On Kazaa or LimeWire, whatever you've got. If you hear a cat meowing in the background, it's because I'm recording in a space where there is a cat. There's nothing I can do about and it. If you hear a shower, it's because my girlfriend is showering. So we yeah, both have we're, just the worst noises coming It's just makeshift <laughs> makeshift workstations. Things are in flux. Um, but we're going to be bringing you quality content all the time. Uh, coming into the 2021 MLB season, I am hype. Justin is hype. Uh, Justin, you're driving the bus, so take us right into that juicy news because uh, this is a big one to lead off yeah. with, my friend. Yeah, all aboard the Blue Jays bus today, but we're going to actually start uh, way down the southwest corner of the United States in Slam Diego, where Fernando Tatis Jr. has signed the longest-term deal in Major League Baseball history. Uh, 14 years, $340 million contract with the Padres. Less annual value than Mookie Betts or Mike Trout, but a longer term. Uh, Tatis is 22, and the Padres were looking at potentially like a shorter-term contract, maybe with some like player options and buyouts, but Tatis insisted on a long-term deal because, uh, as he says, I want the statue on one team. I want to be able to stay on one team and build my legacy over here in San Diego. So good for him. The kid wants to stay in, in San Diego. It sounds like uh, they're, they're having fun again down there. Uh, the Friar Faithful are going to be ramped up, and hopefully they can get some fans back in the in, in the Petco this season because that's actually a pretty cool ballpark. So what are your thoughts on the old uh, Tatis Jr. 14-year contract, Patrick? Oh, he deserves it for sure. He's 
one Even of the after not, only 143 career games. Ooh, I was worried you were going to call me out on that. Listen, he is one of, if not the best shortstop in baseball right now. Uh, he is just a, an absolute machine. Uh, amazing defensively, outstanding offensively. He's fast. He's strong. He can do everything. He's the kind of guy you want to build your team around. Yeah. So, yeah, 14-year, $340 million contract. Yeah, throw it at him. Keep him in the city. He wants to be there. Uh, the management in San Diego wants him to be there. They're finally starting to chip in money mm-hmm. <laughs> between him and Manny Machado for the next – what is it? Thirteen years? Something like that. Maybe We're looking at million bucks. Six hundred and forty million dollars. Cha-ching. For two players. Yep. God, that's Man. just insane to me. But you know what? Kudos to him for for saying, "Look, I want to build my legacy here in San Diego." What I found very interesting, and I don't know if you will agree with me or not. Uh, about this contract is that it is very heavily backloaded yeah his first few years he's still not getting paid very much uh and then i think it's like four or five years in it really ramps up uh the average and or like or the annual salary yeah and uh holy crap he's got like 10 it's like nine or ten years of making 26 million dollars a year what damn i'm not i'm not saying this is the case but this is a brilliant move by San Diego because if for whatever reason their window closes or something happens um, that they feel like they absolutely have to move Fernando Tatis' Jr.'s contract, for whatever reason, they can do so, get back quality prospects, and they would not have paid him a mind-numbing amount of money quite yet. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying... That's a big brain move, uh, you know, to backload the contract. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes players decline. Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, Bobby Benilla. Oh, we, we, yeah. We, I mean, we all thought Troy Tulowitzki was going to have another four or five years yeah. left in his career minimum after the 2016 season. And I don't know what he's doing now, but it's not playing shortstop. Not playing uh, baseball. Blue, Blue Jays. I think his career is done, which is sad. I'll always remember him for pimping out that 300-foot <laughs> pop, uh, pop fly that managed to uh, scream over the fence his first <laughs> spring training at last bat training. with the Yankees last spring. Good for him. I was happy for him. I'm glad he got to go out on a high note. But um, I've never seen anyone that enthusiastic for <laughs> For a home run in spring training, but you yeah. know, whatever. Anywho, um, yeah, good for Tatis. <laughs> good for Tatis. Um, moving into the Blue Jays now, we have a pretty good shortstop too. His name's Bo Bichette. If you haven't heard of him, you should go look him up. Uh, he says that contract extension talks were brought up this offseason, but nothing formal in terms of an offer. Uh, Keegan Matheson at Keegan Matheson on Twitter said that Bichette was disappointed with how he ended 2020. But he feels like he's entered 2021 in a better place physically and mentally. I saw another quote from Charlie Montoyo talking yeah. about how big his legs are. Um, <laughs> so apparently Bo got a little thick down low, and maybe he was working out with his with his Papa Dante in the offseason because that guy knows how to lift. I wonder why he's so disappointed. I mean, everybody was bad. Well, I mean, during... he got hurt, right? And then yeah, well, yeah. he wasn't quite the same when he came back. Uh, and 
and in those two playoff games didn't really do anything. So, but nobody did. Nobody though. did except for Danny Jansen. Um, That's right. <laughs> of all people, um, and I mean Matt Shoemaker was great too, and I wish him the best in Minnesota. I've still got him on my. He's dynasty gonna be. Team, he's gonna be great. That, he's gonna have a great offense. Carries him to to a good record because I need some wins. But uh, yeah, Bichette. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's a. A 14-year, $340 million player at this point. He's played 70 games, so half of what Tatis has played. But, if, man, if this kid can stay healthy all season and do anything relatively close to what he's done in this first in his first cup, cup, of tea, or cup of coffee in the big leagues, he's going to put himself in that conversation for sure because, if anything, he's, he's a, on the same caliber of player as Tatis is, in my mind anyway. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, he's definitely our, or he, until we signed George Springer, he was our best player, uh, regardless of position. Um, that being said, I I think he's being very hard on himself. And I mean, those are the kind of athletes I like. Not satisfied with having, you know, hit 300 both seasons that he's played, even though he was injured in both of them. Yeah, I think he he wants to come into the season and play. You know, 150. He he really wants to just blow away expectations. Uh, he probably wants that money, but you know, realistically, it wouldn't make sense for us to offer a contract extension that large. I think he still warrants two to three more years of development before we can kind of see uh, for real what Bo Bichette is. The the only thing that I would say to counter that is that the longer we don't extend him the more appealing free agency becomes and the, the higher the mm. risk of, of potentially losing him if he doesn't choose to sign. Mm. That's why we've seen like Eloy Jimenez and, and Tatis sign these deals now because not only is it security for them, because yeah, like you said, what if something happens to Tatis? Maybe he gets hurt. He's got this contract. Um, if, if Bichette or Vladdy or Biggio or when Austin Martin or... Alec Manoa or Nate Pearson performed well in the big leagues. They can cash in on these kind of contracts too to never, maybe never hit free agency in their careers, but the money in those contracts is a sure thing. It's there's, there's certainty there. And I think a lot of players see that. And even if it's not a 14 year, $340 million contract, maybe it's a 10 year, $200 million contract. That's a lot of security. That's, that's a lifetime of security in that deal. Yeah, I mean that sets up his family for the next like five generations. Up, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. Say, yeah, the, it's, a, it's a lot until, of money. Until the inevitable heat death of the universe, the Bichette it's, would be set up. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard to say exactly. I mean, I know for the team, the right choice is not to extend him uh, right now. Um, and, and don't forget, it does play into this situation that we've got Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans, two very good prospects in our pool. I know Jordan Groshans probably fell off on a lot of people's uh, lists uh, because he didn't really get to do anything yet. Um, right. But, I mean, let's see what the minor league season. It, Groshans will probably play most of the season in AA, maybe a call-up at AAA. Uh, I don't know where Austin Martin's going to start. I guess it would be high A. Or do we have – we don't have a low A anymore. I guess it's just – it's A, right? It's rookie and then A, and then AA, and then AAA, right? Yeah, there's there's low A, high A, double A, triple A. Yeah. No, there's, there's no, no. The lug nuts are gone though. Yeah, well, that's Dunedin is like low A is Vancouver now, 
or no, low A is Dunedin, high A is Vancouver, New Hampshire is double A, Buffalo is triple A. There's no like Bluefield or Lansing anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the Lugnuts are Lugnuts now are an Oakland, athletic. Yeah. The, yeah. Lug, the Lugnuts and, are now uh, uh, athletic. The Appalachian League which Bluefield was a part of is being rebranded as like a, a college spring kind of league showcase league. Okay. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So after the, so, cause the college season has started already. Um, yeah. Vanderbilt looks fucking incredible. Excuse my language, but they have two of the top, uh, top pitching prospects, number one and number six, uh, Kumar, Kumar rocker and uh, Jake lighter, I believe is the other guy. And they were both lights out in a doubleheader to start the season yesterday. Um, yes, yeah, so look for some more Vandy boys to to join Austin Martin, who was drafted fifth last year. They'll be up high in this year's draft, but they'll be playing in the what is now like I can't remember what it's called. It's like a mixture of the old like Cape Cod and Appalachian leagues. The Cape Cod league is where a friend of the show, a Logan Hoffman, pitched before he went down um, to to the uh, to Louisiana before he got drafted by the Pirates. So those that league is going to be a college kind of summer showcase now for post draftees, which is pretty cool. Um, there have been some pretty cool team names announced. I'll, I'll, I'll post some on Twitter. Uh, but sticking with Keegan Matheson, uh, he had a couple other notes here. One about uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, from this afternoon, Charlie Montoyo says that Stripling will be in camp tomorrow. He's been away while he and his wife had their first child, so congrats to the Striplings. They've added a new chicken strip to the family. Yay. Uh, he's going to be stretched out as a starting pitcher, but his versatility gives the Blue Jays a lot of options in terms of long relief and swing man. I see him as a guy who will likely follow a Nate Pearson or Andor Tanner Roark in, in starts. I think the Jays are going to be piggybacking a lot of those guys this year, um, but we'll, that remains to be seen. Yeah, well, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to what our rotation is going to look like, but it's yeah. still it's too soon. It's to, too soon. To, to we got to wait that. a couple of weeks because there, there could be some injuries in the first couple of weeks of spring. We've already seen uh, Patrick Murphy. Um, he's he's on the on the shelf with an AC yeah. strain, so he's he's a he's going to be a reliever now going forward. He's not going to start anymore, which I'm a little bit disappointed by. I liked him as a starter in the minors, but yeah. uh, that was the first the first in, injury uh, of the spring went to Patrick Murphy, which is unfortunate for him because he had a good chance at competing for. Uh, at least the AAA rotation or AAA uh, reliever spot, if not major league. Um, George Springer. Uh, Matheson had put an article out on Springer being looked at as a leader on this team. A direct quote from Springer. It's my job to earn the respect of the guys that are in the locker room. It's not just handed out. So I need to earn that respect and the atmosphere that here, that's atmosphere that's been here. That's been established here already. It's my job to understand that. And it's my job to navigate it. It's not anybody else's job to figure me out. It's my job to figure them out. So he's really taking on the mentality of um, molding himself into the current Blue Jay culture and not trying to make it his own. Uh, the article also talked about how the, the atmosphere was in Houston, how all the guys kind of just melded together. And I think for Springer coming in as the new guy on this team, he has to adapt to that instead. And it sounds like he's got the right mentality anyway. Yeah, I, I think dude needed a fresh start somewhere. And, you know, if you look around the league, you're if you want to join in with a hot new team that's going to be contending for a long time, the windows are, are opening up in Chicago with the White Sox. Yep. Um, 
They're opening up in Toronto with the Blue Jays. The and they're Twins opening are going to get real good in a couple San years, Diego. too. Watch out for the, them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that AL Central, I don't know if I'd want to be in that, in that division Man, at it, all. That's going to be that, – that division – did you even Detroit? They, their farm system is stacked, too, uh, with pitching prospects. Like, yeah. that AL Central is going to turn into the la- – from a laughing stock into maybe the most competitive division of baseball in a couple of seasons. Teams are going to absolutely pummel one another just to get mm. into the play, get into the oh, playoffs. Yeah. They're all going to limp in with like 88 wins uh, as the division <laughs> winner, and yep. then you know <laughs> who knows who knows what will happen, happen from there. Yeah, but exactly. It's um, kind of interesting to me though. Before we le- uh, leave Springer in the dust here, uh, yeah. it's very interesting to me thinking about the atmosphere in the locker room and think about like the you know the 2015 team 2016 team even the 2017 team which was the start of the dismantling like there was a very specific locker room construction and all of that Mm -hmm. has been completely dismantled (laughs) there's nobody left and that was only four years ago completely different team completely isn't that kind of crazy to think about yeah, it's 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 a long time removed. Five years ago, right? So uh, a wow. lot can change in baseball in that amount of time. Um, moving on from Keegan into another great Jays reporter, Scott Mitchell from TSN. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, one of our off-season uh, acquisitions, he will be pitching in a completely new role this year. Single-inning, high-leverage reliever is a spot that the Blue Jays envision using the 31-year-old right-hander in. His career splits between starting and relieving are a little bit deceiving with a lot of uh, relief pitching coming in multiple inning roles. So his career starter splits are 438 ERA with a 766 OPS and a, a, a 453 ERA with a 761 OPS as a relief pitcher. A quote from Chatwood saying, it's going to be weird throwing one inning at a time in spring training and just finding your routine in between. Montoyo does say that Chatwood could be used up in two innings, specifically mentioned somewhere between the sixth to eighth innings. One thing, he's not a potential swingman type, so he's not going to be like the stripling type of guy. Um, Mitchell says, I suspect he's closer to a traditional three to five out reliever rather than a typical multi-inning six to nine out role. Interesting there. Mm. It's very interesting. We seem to have a lot of guys we're going to be like that, which I like. It gives our bullpen versatility and depth, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of pressure off the starting pitchers. So you don't, we're not going to be leaving an, a, a guy in there for four innings just to get four innings if he's, you know, stinking up the joint. <laughs> yeah, so totally, totally true. And to give you some context on Chatwood's numbers too, I mentioned his career ERA as a starter is four thirty eight. That is in uh, 755 innings, and that 453 as a reliever is only in 91 innings. So he hasn't had a ton of life as a relief pitcher in his career, so that's going to change, obviously, going forward. So we'll see how those numbers change. I would anticipate an ERA of around four um, based on his career numbers as a single-inning relief pitcher, but I could be totally out to lunch, too. I. I like this. I like the move. Um, I think a lot of pitchers who have good quality stuff, especially when they have versatile pit like uh, pitch repertoire. Like if you've got three really good pitches, um, it, it, I mean it, it doesn't hurt to be to be a three out three to five out reliever. Like I mean I don't 
I don't like we play to win the game and I know like <laughs> yeah. some some people want the glory but like I just don't see why anybody would kick up ever kick up a fuss about having a role like that like no. they're putting a lot of trust in Chatwood and you know he seems to be embracing that trust right yep. off the bat which is I very cool and being 31 he's going to be one of the veterans on that pitching staff um and an English veteran so obviously we have Hanjin Ryu who's got a bit of a language barrier and then uh, that's going to put uh, Chatwood really in a position to to use some of his experience with a lot of these younger pitchers that are going to inevitably pitch a lot of innings with us this year. So I'd love to see another guy on the team who can who can lead. In uh, some great news, uh, Tim Meza, Blue Jays fans remember him, he is back on the mound. And according to Charlie Montoyo, he, quote, looks great. Meza last pitched in 2019. Uh, he did undergo Tommy John surgery and missed the entire 2020 season. I remember when his elbow blew out in that game. That was a bit heartbreaking. Oh, God. Uh, his career numbers, 124 appearances for the Blue Jays, uh, 10.5 Ks per nine, 3.9 walks per nine, but 1.2 home runs, uh, 467 ERA, and a 374 XFIP. Honestly, if this guy can recapture anything close to those numbers, uh, he could be an X factor for the Jays' bullpen. Uh, he'll likely start the season in AAA. But the fact that he has major league experience and uh, uh, a great major league experience at that, uh, he could be a beneficial member of this team if there are any injuries in that pen. Yeah, I mean, I am a big fan of his. Um, I enjoyed what he was able to accomplish in limited innings in 2018. Uh, the numbers looked really good. Yeah. It's honestly just really good to see him back on a mound. You always regret or come back from that injury. He had he had a rough 2019, a really rough 2019. His stuff wasn't working. He was giving up tacos, uh, 22.2% of the time off fly balls. So 1.4 home runs per nine innings. It was just an ugly, ugly season for him. But his 2018 was very nice in a season that was also very dark uh, (laughs) and disturbing for the Jays. Yeah, uh, three three point two eight ERA in twenty eighteen, uh, three point three six FIP, three point nine eight XFIP, zero point three WAR, and that was for a guy who only pitched thirty five point two innings. So, this Tim Meza is exactly the kind of arm that we need in the bullpen. He has quality stuff. He has the ability to strike guys out. Um, he's got a good K rate, twenty six point seven percent. Delicious. He's a ground ball pitcher. Um, I just, you know, I think he's going to be super hungry to prove himself. And I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think he'll start the season with the club. Uh, He will. Here's my spicy take. Uh, Seventh inning guy, Mesa. Eighth inning guy, Chatwood. Ninth inning guy, Yates. Where's Jordan Romano in that conversation? Jordan Romano is... (laughs) <laughs> no, he Dolis and Romano, they're going to be uh, doing the exact same thing they did last year. They're going to fill in the gaps where needed. No matter what inning it is, they're going to come in, they're going to pitch, and they'll okay. be super effective. Um, yeah. If they need them to close, they'll close. I, I think it's likely we'll close by committee again this year. I would agree um, until somebody takes it. Until somebody takes it, but Romano, Dolis, Yates, those are three guys who could easily, you know, uh, rack up 10 to 15 saves this season. Yeah. So, I mean, we just have to be patient and see how things pan out. But I think Mesa's, if we get 2018 Tim Mesa, I think he'll be the seventh inning guy. 
Yep, rolling along. We'll take it. We won't spend too much time on these next couple of points. Just want to mention that uh, Marcus Samin talked about making adjustment to second base and building chemistry with Bo Bichette. He said that the angles of the ball off the bat, especially for right-handed batters, are a lot different at second. Uh, but he's spending most of his time working on double play flips and turns with Bo. Be interesting mm-hmm. to see those two work as we get into the spring. Uh, other on the left side of the infield, that's the hot corner. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio have been taking ground balls at third base. As of now, one or both of them are in line for starts at third base, with the only other options on the on the team being uh, Santiago Espinal and Guriel Jr. With Joe Panic being not on the forty man roster, but being a roster non roster invite to spring training. Uh, Guriel has been rumored to get some playing time at third base. And at first base this spring, in addition to both corner outfield spots, as they try and figure out what the outfield outside of Springer is going to look like in the corners. Interesting points there. Um, moving into the catchers, we'll spend a bit of time here. Before we before oh, we wanna, duck you wanna, on, you want to you want to dive in there a bit? I just want to chip in with one thing uh, that's worth thinking about. Uh, in the 27 games that we saw Espinal last season, which again it was a small season, so it's he was in almost half the year though almost half the games, he hit 267, 308, 333 slash. Yep. I I mean, I was moderately impressed. Um, when he was able to make contact, he was able to get solid contact. There wasn't really a lot of power there. Um, but he did steal a base, which is something that we need on this team. So I would not count Santiago Espinal uh, out of the conversation as far as racking up uh, some st- some either spot starts at third base when Vladdy can't go or um, maybe Panic makes the team, maybe he doesn't. I'm leaning towards not. I'm having a hard time seeing him on the roster just based on... Yeah. Unless he has a really good spring. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe. Santiago Espinal had an outstanding spring. Very good uh, last year. Yeah. Last year, and that's why he got what he got. And For I sure. think... I think him as one of the 26 men on the bench, because I think we're going with 26. Yeah, and a taxi squad again. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say that Espinal is going to be in the 26. I can see Panic being on the taxi, because we we do have a a, a 40-man roster spot open. We have about one spot right now, so there there is room for a move. So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, getting into catchers now, let's talk about this for a moment. Uh, Scott Mitchell tweeted, there's definitely a sentiment within the Blue Jays org that Alejandro Kirk is a perfect candidate to caddy for Danny Jansen, playing somewhere around 60 to 70 games behind the plate and working with MLB coaching staff, a.k.a. John Schneider, on the finer points defensively. That eases body slash workload concerns and the bat in all capitals plays. Uh, We saw some images of Kirk coming into the spring. Uh, another candidate, as people have pointed out, for the best shape of their life. So good on him for putting in work. He said he put a lot of time into dieting and uh, just getting in better physical shape over the offseason. He's a small guy, so the more weight he can keep off that frame, the better for his knees, especially as a catcher. Um, But sticking with one of the catchers before we discuss this, uh, I put some things in here. This is my personal opinion. I think that Reese McGuire needs to have a big spring if he wants to have a spot on this team at all. Um, he doesn't have any options left as far as I know, and, and doing so with a big spring would encourage the Jays to maybe start Kirk at AAA and allow him to get uh, more than 60 to 70 games there this season. The team is confident that Kirk can handle MLB pitching after his brief 2020 short showcase, according to multiple reports from Atkins, Montoyo, and others. Danny Jansen does project as a starter, 
but Fangraphs and others have Kirk ahead of Maguire in terms of the depth chart and projected playing time. For me, I think a 60-40 Jansen-Kirk split would be ideal with Jansen starting about 90 to 100 games and Kirk getting the rest, as Scott mentioned above. Uh, Kirk could be ready to take the reins later this season or to start 2022 if he hits and Jansen doesn't. So that's my opinion. Uh, what do you think about the catching situation, Patrick? I think Reese McGuire is going to get traded before the end of spring training. There's a I lot of teams agree. that need a they there's a lot of teams that need a backup catcher right now. And the issue is that a lot of the previous years uh ba- backup catchers uh they're all a year older and it yep. gets harder and harder to do this the older <laughs> you get. That probably doesn't come as a surprise to anybody uh as I'm stating the obvious but Reese McGuire, I think he needs a change of scenery. Yeah. I think that what happened last season in spring training messed with his head a lot. He didn't and hit he it at all. <laughs> he looked awful yeah. in 2020 offensively. Defensively, still Defensively, has, I'd say has he's, upside. he's got upside. Um, the one thing I'd say about him, I, I did see a report somewhere a few weeks ago that they're, they're going to give him plenty of playing time this spring, and I think that's yeah. – both in part to see if yeah hey can you showcase uh, yourself or can you force our hand to put kirk at triple a so um worst case scenario though let's say that um the jays follow what you're suggesting a 60 40 split worst case scenario kirk has a terrible rookie season danny jansen has to shoulder most of the load and he doesn't neither one of them puts it together uh at the plate which would have been almost identical to last season's uh, situation, aside from Kirk uh, having a slip up at, at the plate. Let's say wor- worst case scenario, Kirk can't handle it right away. We know he has the ability to eventually get it, and the bat does play, like Scott Mitchell said. That's definitely one of the number one reason, or it's probably the number one reason why he would get that 60 40 split but yeah let, let let's say it's a disaster the jays are still going to be fine danny jansen is a very competent defensive uh catcher um offensive this is it this is his year to figure it out uh whether or not he's going to be an all-star catcher or he's just going to be a guy that's going to hold the place for until either kirk passes him or somebody else <laughs> takes a spot still whatever a couple couple catchers in the top 10 prospects outside of kirk so exactly uh, there's a lot there's a lot to be done yeah (laughs) there's a lot of depth there as far as a prospect pool goes so like worst case scenario kirk uh, kirk comes in and and he's horrible it's not going to happen um but even if he was horrible this team is still the the amount of uh wins that he would contribute i think is negligible yeah He's not an all-star. He's not going to be an MVP candidate. You watch. You watch. Uh, I'll be eating my words come July. But I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love that. But realistically, neither one of these guys are going to, you know, blow the barn doors open. So there's no reason to to not just thrust Kirk into the position and talk to some of these teams that are in desperate need of a backup catcher. Yeah. Reese McGuire is young. He he's is a he's under twenty six, uh, isn't he? A player to be named later or cash considerations trade candidate after his twenty twenty. Though we won't get people who will should temper their expectations now. We won't get much for him. Um, but yeah, he's definitely. I think he's. I think he's like 25, 24. Yeah, but he's got the 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 thing that's appealing about Reese McGuire is that he's already done this, the minor league circuit. He's gotten as much as he can out of it. Um, he proved himself to be competent. He's, 20, he's, he's gonna be twenty six in. Uh, 
at the beginning of March, actually. Yeah. Uh, he had 1.5 war in 2019 in 30 games. He was extremely good at the plate. He hit yeah. 299. Uh, so he, he, he maybe, um, I, I don't disagree. Patrick. I know. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, what I'm trying to suggest is that in those 105 plate appearances in 2019, we saw something. He's an excellent defensive, uh, catcher. Yeah. Uh, he, his, uh, his tool grade was 60 for throwing uh, for fielding. It was 50, 60 as a slash. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see why a team wouldn't pay for him. We'd probably end up just getting like a, either an old veteran arm or uh, just like a show me prospect. Who's, you know, very low on options or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, getting off of catchers. I think we've covered that subject. A couple things left today. Uh, Pete Walker on Thomas Hatch. His stuff, as we've seen, is outstanding as a major league starter in the making. His mound presence, his arsenal are all major league caliber, so I'm really excited about this guy. Um, I think that the Jays want Hatch to be a starter. Unlikely that he makes steady breaks camp with the team. I think they'll give him triple-A time. He pitches a reliever last year. He's one of those guys like Anthony Kay who just need to start, and they're not going to do that in the big leagues at least right away until people get hurt yeah this is gonna be another one of those seasons with with the whole covid thing that there could still be a need for taxi squads but i can see a, a lot of these guys not being on the taxi squad just so that they're pitching regularly in in triple a buffalo um we'll talk about it eventually but there's still no con- confirmation on when what a triple a or what a my league season is going to look like this year yeah that's it's going to be interesting yeah but as as the u.s continues to to vaccinate a pretty large portion of their population i think as the summer moves on well there'll definitely be baseball this year just what we'll, we'll get into that later on when we have more news um and one more thing on on the starter before we or two more things in the rotation and we'll break these three things down hazel may said that uh, Montoyo's first impressions on Steven Matz were that he saw his bullpen, looked nice and comfortable. Bullpen was impressive, 95-96 uh, on the gun. That was good to see, so good velocity from Matz. Uh, last thing on the rotation, Ross Atkins says, uh, I feel so good about that group that is in place, but he says the team could still add before and at the trade deadline. That, to me, signifies that we may be done with free agency spending, so put the Odorizzi uh, jerseys away, folks. I don't think it's happening. Um, what are your thoughts, first off, on Hatch, Patrick? Is he going to be a big league starter this year, or is he AAA all the way? If there's an injury, yeah. Um, I still think that Trent Thornton is ahead of him on the depth chart. I think Trent Thornton is our number six right now. Interesting. Uh, or at least he should be, um, based off of previous uh, experience. And um, I think... See, with with the glut of pitchers that we have that are good but not great, there's so many guys, like, in, like, two years, Stripling's not going to be on this team. Matt's probably won't be on this team. Um, Rourke's gone after this year. Rourke is absolutely gone after this year. So, like, those, there's going to be... could sp- be. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be spaces on this team for Anthony Kay and Thomas Hatch yeah. as starters. I just think... Here's the thing. If there's not a minor league season, they have to be on the team. The, they have to be on the team and they have to log innings. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and just just a quick note on what you just said. The only starters that are under team control or contract next season are Ryu and Pearson, uh, and and potentially yeah. Thornton that are like that have like started in the big leagues consistently. So 
there's going to be plenty of rotation spots again next spring. And, and it makes me think that when free agency drops in 2022, um, whoever the youngest and most capable of pitchers are available, that's what we're going to do. I'm still not closing the book on us trading for guys like Marquez out of Colorado or Castillo out of Cincinnati. I think those teams are hedging their bets as far as like waiting for the market to settle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're young, very strong starters that are probably going to warrant big contracts that either one of those teams is probably going to want to pay. Yeah. So they might as well get value for them. So the way that this team is shaping up, we're going to have a lot of old arms, but not old as in tired, old as in steady <laughs> veterans uh, where they're, you know, their range of what they're capable of is a lot more narrow. You'll probably get something uh, reasonable out of stripling close to a hundred innings. And they'll probably have an ERA close to four, um, probably somewhere in between four and five. And then you'll probably see worse from Rourke. Uh, and then Robbie Ray really is, a, is the big question mark. He's going to be our number two guy, I guess. Uh, or maybe it's Nate. I yeah, I still don't think Nate is ready. I don't understand wh- how you could look at the group of starters and be <laughs> optimistic. And, yeah, it's just there's so many question marks. There's so many yeah. guys who just who either had a bad season last season, had an injury, uh, and they're just coming back, or they're on show me deals, uh, mm-hmm. or they're like Robbie Ray and they experience like a severe decline, and they're trying to fight their way back into like staying in the show. Yeah. Thoughts like, on just, uh, uh, thoughts on Steven Matz? Good velocity. That's that's a good uh, sign. Good velo, but I mean... His, his I home runs are going to be the difference for him. Um, he, it may, he makes... The idea of him being our number five makes me very nervous. Actually, I, I like it. I think it's a great number five. Back-to-back lefties? Yeah. Why not? You got 100 for you. He's a Cy Young candidate. Doesn't matter okay, who you yeah. put Let's, ahead or behind him. All right, fine. I'm going to be Andy optimist here. Let's say Ryu is is remains Cy Young caliber, and let's say Robbie Ray has a season similar to 2017 to the good and years tw- 2018. <laughs> um, that would be a great sign for us. But Nate Pearson still has all he has no AAA experience. No, he scares me a little bit. It scares me a lot. I don't want to waste uh, a prospect. Uh, we've seen and, other and prospects blow out in his the arm. past like Jesse Lich, Kyle Drabeck, Ricky be, Romero, Ricky Romero be relied on heavily early and perform well at the, initially and then just fall off. The it's cliff. hard. It's, it's really hard. It's a yeah. lot of pressure. We've seen with Vladdy. I mean, Vladdy hasn't lived up to the hype of, of everybody in baseball, let alone Blue Jay fans. Uh, obviously still a great talent and, and likely going to have a great season, but and not that he's been bad, but he hasn't been hype level of, of everything. I still say that we're in we're in this age now with with all the footage we see on Twitter and, and online that ten years ago it wouldn't have been this hype about a prospect. Uh, but now we just have all this all this footage and all this access that we see these kids from the moment they're in college to the moment that they make their debuts, and we just build up these unrealistic expectations for them. But that's a topic for another day too. Um, any closing thoughts, Patrick? We, remember, we got baseball on Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sportsnet. It'll be the Yankee feed, just to remind people, so don't get your hopes up for Dan and Buck. Uh, I'm excited. We're going to start seeing some baseball. I don't yeah, know man, if... it's coming. Su- I don't know if Sunday's uh, 
Sunday show, I mean, it's February 28th, so I mean, it's not even March baseball, so like, <laughs> temper your expectations. I don't think we're going to see anybody uh, who's going to, you know, blow the barn door doors open. Like, I think it's going to be mostly guys who are going to be fighting for positions. Yep. Um, do we know who's slated to start? No, we don't have that information yet. I don't think we'll Damn get it. that until closer to, but right. we're, we're 36 days away from opening day, April 1st. Let's say let's let's do a spicy take. Who's your spicy take as far as who's going to start on Sunday? Well, I think whoever starts pitches an inning. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll go with Anthony K. I'm going to go with Thomas Hatch. I knew you were going to say Anthony K, <laughs> and I was like, I'm definitely going to say Thomas Hatch because those are two guys who are going to be competing for innings, whether yeah. it's in AAA or uh, in the bigs. Just, yeah, we just we depends. we know that both K and Hatch finished the season healthy, so I I put money on one of those two. It's got I I think it's gonna be Hatch. We'll we'll see though. We'll see. Anyway, that's it for us here on BFMB episode one ten is in the books. Uh, as always, remember to send us your questions. DM us on Twitter. Tweet at us. If you disagree with something that we said, let us know. We'll discuss on the next show. Uh, we are on Twitter at BFMB Podcast. We're host on Anchor. Podcast is available there on iTunes, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Breaker, Podbean. There's a bunch of them out there that I could just rattle off. Uh, let us know where you listen. Maybe maybe we, there's a platform where our podcast could be on that we don't know about yet. But uh, anyway, send us your questions. Leave us a review. Tell us if we suck, as always. And for Patrick out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Justin here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Go Blue Jays. Baseball Sunday. We'll be back soon. <laughs>